You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. We've got our preview edition Wednesday afternoon. We've got Kyle Smedley from the Ball State Daily News getting ready for Saturday's game between the number one Georgia Bulldogs and the Ball State Cardinals. We'll kick off at 12 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday there in Sanford Stadium. Figured it would be good to have Kyle come on, talk a little bit about this year's Cardinals team, get a feel for what Georgia's going to see, and maybe make a few predictions along the way. So, Kyle. Uh, how is this Wednesday treating you as we get ready for uh, Ball State getting ready to play another SEC opponent? Yeah, um, thanks for having me. It's It's been a good day so far. Just had a couple classes before this, and now we're sitting down for this interview before my next one. So it's a good day, and looking forward to seeing what the game is going to bring this weekend. Definitely, and that definitely sounds like the life of a student sports reporter because uh, I know there's a bunch of people – uh, who can attest to that, especially around the Georgia beat? We've uh, we've always tried to get in and uh, do a little bit of work between classes, which is always a good time. Uh, Kyle, I want to start just looking at Ball State from sort of a bigger picture going in to the 2023 season. They're coming off a five and seven season. Uh, we're five and four at one point last season, lost their last three games. What what were sort of the expectations for the Cardinals coming into this season? Um, and, and maybe just sort of the en- energy around the program getting ready for this year. Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, you, you mentioned being five and four and then losing the last three games. Um, there's no doubt that those around the program last year uh, felt disappointed by how it ended. Um, they had made a bowl game in two straight seasons. They were expecting to make another and they didn't. Um, and so as we got into training camp and media was kind of, given access to the team. Uh, I remember being out there on the first day of training camp and the atmosphere felt a little different, um, but in a good way. Um, Obviously they had a lot of turnover, uh, especially on offense, a lot of, a lot of new, a lot of new faces. Obviously you had Carson Steele who led the mid American conference last year in rushing. He entered the transfer portal and is now at UCLA. Um, so you got a new running back in Marquez Cooper who transferred from um, another Mac school. He was second in the Mac last year in rushing. Um, John Paddock, who was the quarterback last year, um, moved on. He's, he's no longer with the team. And now you have a guy in Lane Hatcher who comes in, who transferred from Texas State. Uh, you have a true freshman in Caden Samanza coming in. And then Kyle Kelly, who's been here, all three competing for a quarterback spot. Um, Lost a lot of wide receivers as well. Um, you brought in Ty Robinson from Colorado, um, Ahmad Edwards from Jacksonville State, and just the wide receiver room as a whole looks completely new. Um, 
the tight ends, you knew what you had there last year, two very accomplished tight ends and Tanner Koziel and Brady Hunt. Um, you knew what you had there. And then you knew what you had in the offensive line as well, because it's it's been said that Ball State might have the best offensive line in the Mid-American Conference. They had two guys who were on the All-Mac second team last year. They're back. Uh, they have a transfer from Sacred Heart. And the offensive line and the tight ends is what we knew. Um, and then everything else was kind of unclear. Um, Mike New said that Lane Hatcher was going to be the starter week one. Uh, if you watch the game at Kentucky, he started the first half and then – Caden Simonza, a true freshman, came in and, and played the entire second half. And um, if I dare say it, he played a whole lot better than Lane Hatcher did. Uh, he Simonza impressed against Kentucky and kind of showed what the atmosphere is around the program. Even still, there's just a hunger around the program right now. And I noticed that at the start of training camp because they're very, they're not satisfied with how last season went. Um, they kind of know that. Uh, this season might be a defining one um, for the program because, again, you make you make a bowl game in 2020. I mean, not only make a bowl game, but win it, win the MAC, and then 2021 you make a bowl game again. 22 you don't do that. So this is kind of a defining year for the program. Um, not off to a great start, but I do think there were some things to take away from the Kentucky game as well. So I wanted to start with those quarterbacks. You mentioned Lane Hatcher. He's a guy that's been around Arkansas State, Texas State. You mentioned he started against Kentucky. Uh, Caden Simonza comes in uh, sporadically in that first half. Then he starts the second half. And we also saw Kyle Kelly, who kind of seemed like a change-it-up quarterback. I think he took a toss at one point. Uh, yeah. What did you make of how they in, you know, used different quarterbacks? And what stood out to you about Simonza and what he did well in yeah, yeah, it, it's an interesting situation because going into the season, uh, I think like a month before the season started, New announced that Hatcher would be the starting quarterback week one. Um, he said that Hatcher earned it due to his experience playing in big games and his experience starting week one because Caden Smanza and Kyle Kelly had never started week one before. And so that's what it came down to. Um, but you know, as training camp started to get closer to the actual Kentucky game, Caden Samanza was getting first team reps in practice. And, you know, me and a couple other local media guys are thinking, well, what do we make of this? Um, is, you know, is Samanza, obviously we know he's not going to start against Georgia, but how much playing time is he going to get? Um, and leading into the game, uh, New talked a lot about the fact that Ball State has three quarterbacks that they're going to use them all and that um, they're all different in that Hatcher is kind of more of a game manager. Um, he, he stays in the pocket. You know, he, he had a rushing touchdown um, against Kentucky, but it was like a one yarder. Um, he, he's mostly a game manager. You have Samanza who really has great arm talent, um, can stretch the ball up and down the field and, uh, new commented on how how well how much he likes his accuracy and then you have Kyle Kelly which new has talked over and over again about how he calls Kyle Kelly a weapon um, he said that when you have Kelly under center um, not only are you gaining another runner but you're gaining another blocker um, and that's how they used Kelly in the game against Kentucky we didn't know how much Kelly was going to be used I, I would argue that from my perspective he was used more than I thought um, he was on the field a lot. Uh, he wasn't on the field taking QB one snaps a lot, 
but he was often on the field with another quarterback, even going out, playing receiver at times, playing running back at times. You said he took a toss, and he did. Um, oftentimes when he was under center and taking snaps, he would just immediately rush. Um, so I think Kelly is kind of in a more wild card role. Um, I know that New said that he hasn't decided who's going to start against Georgia this week. Uh, he doesn't know if it'll be Hatcher and Samanza or Samanza. Um, they are both getting first team reps in practice. And I believe New said that um, people can expect to see all three on the field. Um, <clears throat> but from my vantage point, Samanza has impressed me the most. Uh, he, he just, what impressed me the most about him and really everybody who watched was his poise, right? I mean, he's a true freshman. Um, he, that was his first taste of college football ever against an SEC team. Um, and he came in and led two drives. One was a scoring drive and one Kentucky stopped him at the one yard line. Um, those are two that stick out. He led more drives, but he just looked very poised under pressure. Um, if there was people coming at him in the pocket, he was able to evade nicely and not uh, panic. Uh, he, he made a lot of nice calls. Uh, he and new talked about, there was a play where um Ty Robinson was running a straight go route and then um, Samanza scrambles out of the pocket a little bit and just with one hand motion at Robinson calls for a fade route and they connect for about a 25 yard gain. So just things like that you don't often see from a true freshman, um, really any position, especially quarterback. And I've heard from guys in the locker room that they are very impressed by not only his, his play on the field, but his leadership. Um, so if, if you want my just true opinion, I think he should be the starter. And I think if he's not the starter this week, probably see him start week three. Yeah, Samanza definitely impressed against Kentucky. Uh, you mentioned the running backs. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Marquez Cooper uh, coming in, you know, they lose Carson Sill, as you mentioned, went off to UCLA. He was the leading rusher in the MAC last year, and well, they just went and got the second leading rusher from Kent State and Marquez Cooper. Uh, very interesting from Georgia's perspective because they played Kent State last year, and Marquez had a pretty good game. Um, yeah. What do you make about Marquez Cooper and also Von Pemberton, who I think got banged up in that Kentucky game, but uh, he looked pretty good as well in the backfield for Ball State? Yeah, I'll say this um, when they brought in Cooper. I thought his role – I know there's only been one game, but when they brought in Marquez Cooper, I expected him to get the majority of the snaps at running back. Um, really up until Pemberton got hurt against Kentucky, they were kind of 50-50. Um, I was a little surprised. I thought Cooper would get a more defined role in the offense. Um, I certainly think he has the speed to do so, um, and, that, and that's what Ball State likes about him. That's why they brought him in. Um, Cooper told me that – in the offseason when he entered the transfer portal, Ball State reached out to him within the hour and immediately wanted to have him as a part of the team. Um, as it pertains to Vaughn Pemberton, he did get hurt in the second quarter against Kentucky. Um, he banged up his knee and his ankle a little bit. I believe that he is in a walking boot, and I know that he has been determined out against Georgia. Vaughn Pemberton will not play. Um, it'll be Marquez Cooper um, taking the majority of the snaps at running back, I would assume. And I believe last year he had about 90 yards against Georgia. Um, not saying that that's a guarantee for success this year, um, but he, he certainly, he's certainly a versatile weapon out of the backfield. He said he wants to prove 
that he can be the workhorse that Ball State needs. There was some talk this week on the Georgia side about Ball State's tight ends, got some big tight ends. Uh, tell me a little bit about them and, and also the receivers and any guys uh, among that receiving core that stand out to you. Yeah, as it pertains to the tight ends, uh, like I said, they're, they were kind of the anchors of the offense coming into the season. Um, but the the real – I mean, not to, not to discount what Tanner Koziel does because he's a, he's a great tight end in his own respect, but the standout, if you will, is Brady Hunt. Um, he is on the uh, Mackey Award watch list for the best tight end in football. However, he sustained an injury uh, towards the end of the training camp and he didn't play last week against Kentucky. He will not play this week against Georgia either. Um, Brady Hunt is, has been determined out. He's out of his walking boot. Um, he's not using that anymore, but he's just not up to speed in practice yet. Uh, but I think when Ball State can have both tight ends on the field, that's when their offense is going to be the most dangerous because they really act not only as great blockers, but great receivers too. Um, Koziel's a tough kid. He got – rocked in the second quarter against Kentucky. Um, I think that clip's been making the rounds around social media. Uh, he fumbled the ball, but he got hit hard. It looked like helmet to helmet, and his helmet bounced off the turf. I thought for sure he'd be out for the game with the concussion, but he uh, he got he got tested for concussion protocol and was all good and came back, uh, led the team in receptions, and I know he's a big target for no matter who's under center, whether it's Samanza or Hatcher. Um as it pertains to the wide receivers, uh, like I said, it's a it's a really new room. It's hard to figure out what to make of them. Um, you know, going into the season, I thought the two guys that were going to be really the two biggest targets would be Ty Robinson from Colorado and Ahmad Edwards from Jacksonville State. Uh, Ahmad Edwards wasn't even a starter against Kentucky, so I guessed wrong on that one. Uh, Ty Robinson, I believe had close to 80 yards. So he, he is a big factor in Ball State's offense. Um, and he, he's a guy that said he wants to make the big plays down the field. He wants a, he wants the deep balls to go up and go grab them um, and make those big plays. And he certainly is athletic and tall enough to do so. Um, a guy that stood out is Keon Magwood. Um, I remember at the end of training camp, he wasn't even really on my radar. Um, no offense to him. But he was just deep down. I mean, he was down in the depth chart last year um, and even going into the season. But New said that he had a great training camp. And lo and behold, he got some significant playing time against Kentucky. So I think Keon Magwood is a guy to watch out for on wide receiver as well. We'll take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit about the defense, talk about Ball State's week one game against Kentucky, and then preview a little bit of Saturday's game against Georgia. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody. Back with the Ball State Daily News is Kyle Smedley. Let's turn the attention to the defense. And Kyle, I want to ask about what's probably the biggest question for Ball State fans and Georgia fans getting to know this team. Uh, Clayton Call, seeing him get hurt against Kentucky. Uh, really, really a tough situation, especially when you consider last year. I, I could not believe this watching the telecast. So he broke both hands in one game near the end of the season for Ball State. Um, what is the latest on Clayton? And if he is not able to play going forward, just how detrimental is that loss for the Cardinals defense? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll get I'll get right right to it as far as the severity of his injury. Um, I've been told that he got in to see a doctor on Tuesday, um, is getting a second opinion on Thursday, but I do know that he is in a boot for his ankle and is using crutches to walk. Um, It's an ankle injury. It seems pretty serious. Um, He is certainly not playing against Georgia and may not play the rest of the year. They don't know yet. With that being said, it's a huge loss for Ball State's defense, um, really because not only is he a great player, he often leads the team in tackles um, at the linebacker position, but he is not only the leader of the defense, but really the leader of the Cardinals. Caden Samanza called him the voice of the team. Um, he, He stepped in big in a leadership role, and, you know, that's something that you can't measure with stats and really perhaps the biggest aspect of team sports is having a guy that leads like that. Um, Head coach Mike New was in tears on the post-game press conference talking about what Clayton means to the team. Um, And, you know, one of his best friends, fellow linebacker Cole Pierce, was visibly shooken up by it as well. Um, It's a a tough blow for the Ball State defense because they're losing – they're losing their anchor. Um, it seems like it's going to be the whole season. I don't know for sure. So don't hold me to that, but it was a grim scene when he went down on, on Saturday, he was, his leg was immediately put in a protective air stint and he was carted off the field. Uh, he was, he was punching his leg and he was, he was emotional as he was carted off the field. Um, he won't play against Georgia and we'll see what the rest of the season holds. Definitely a bad situation and sending good thoughts uh, to Clayton because obviously means a lot to the Ball State program. When it comes to this defense, who sort of stands out to you? Who are some defenders you think could make some plays when we get uh, in Sanford Stadium on Saturday? Yeah, um, you know, outside linebacker slash DN, he plays edge a lot. Uh, Sydney Houston really stands out to me on this Ball State defense. Uh, he he makes plays. He gets pressure on the quarterback quite a bit. Um, I think he can play in some coverage as well a little bit, but he he, might, he mainly focuses on rushing the passer or the runner. Um, he's, he's very good at wrapping up. I believe he had a sack against Kentucky. I know he had multiple tackles for loss. Um, he's, he's a leader of the team, and I know he's close with Clayton, so he's going to want to step up. Um, Cole Pierce in the linebacker core, he's going to take over the bulk of the tackling, if I had to guess, um, wrapping up passes down the field. Um, and as far as the DBs go, um, it's a it's a deep DB room. I think there's a lot of guys who can contribute. Um, you know, Jordan Riley, um, there, there's just a lot of them. And what, what I think is 
last week I, I felt that the DBs struggled with penalties a little bit. Um, there were some maybe unnecessary uh, pass interference um, penalties, and not to say that they weren't earned because I, I believe that they were. Uh, they were very costly. They, they often pass interfered in the end zone uh, down the field when they shouldn't have, and I know that they're looking to clean up the flags on that end. So I think as far as it pertains to this game against Georgia, um, the DBs certainly have the speed. I think that they have some decent cover ability. They just need to clean it up when it comes to um, kind of being handsy. Um, and, and one last thing about the D-line, um, Tavion Woodard, who is a DN, um, and I believe was named to the preseason All-MAC team, um, he missed week one with an injury. He will play against Georgia this weekend. So I know that he's back as well. Really, for me, to sum it all up, the defensive line – looks impressive to me. Um, it looks like they can get a lot of pressure and wrap up well. The DBs have talent and speed. Um, they just may need to get a little better on the technical side of things. So you've hit on it a little bit, but when you look to that week one game against Kentucky, what do you feel like you learned about Ball State or what in particular sort of stood out to you? Yeah, I, I think what I learned most about that game is just that, I mean – not to not to oversell um, being up just after one quarter, but they were winning after the first quarter. It was seven to three. And what I took away from all the, the offensive drives where they scored was the final score was 44 to 14, but I believe Ball State was in the red zone four times. Um, that's pretty good against an SEC opponent coming from a MAC opponent. Um, so really what I noticed is – the versatility at quarterback, um, swapping guys in and out constantly. I don't know if it'll be this way for Georgia because it's the best of the best, but it seemed to have Kentucky on their heels a little bit because it's hard to predict what the offense is going to throw at you when there's three different guys under center that could be in at any given time. It looked like Kentucky was on their heels, um, and that's really where Ball State thrive. Um, I think at times – as much as that helped, I think it also was a hindrance at times because, for example, there was a great drive that Caden Simonza was leading the Cardinals on. Uh, he got down to like the 15-yard line um, in the red zone. And then uh, New took him completely out of the game, put Kelly under center, and started rushing the ball a lot. And Ball State ended up not scoring at all going for it on fourth down. Um, I didn't understand the play calling. Uh, New said again that he liked running Kelly in that situation because you add another runner and another blocker. Um, I think that they would have been better served to continue passing and having Kelly as perhaps a receiving option. Um, that's, that's what I have on offense. It's, it's a very versatile and at times unpredictable offense. Um, as far as on defense, they do need to clean up on penalties. And I don't think that the defense is as bad as the final score suggests. You look at a, 44 to 14 final score and you kind of immediately assume, Oh, that's, it's not a very good defense. Um, to my knowledge, the defense um, there's 21 points out of those 44 that the defense did not surrender. Um, there were two touchdowns scored by Kentucky off of a turnover and there was a kickoff return touchdown. So there's 21 points that the defense didn't surrender. So if you really look at it, it was, what's that 23 to 14. Um, as far as what the defense is surrendering. Um, 
they, they get pressure. Um, Tyler Redpots had an interception. Uh, he's a very good DB, perhaps the best out of that DB room. Um, and the defense, to me, I think will come out hungry the rest of the year with the loss of Cole. I think they're going to want to put on for him. And I really think that his injury is going to have a big impact on the mentality of the Ball State defense. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, to reiterate a lot of what you said, I had a chance to rewatch the game this morning against Kentucky. Thought Ball State really handled itself well. You know, there's a lot of energy around Kentucky with a new quarterback and their old offensive coordinator back, and thought they played really well. You know, Mike knew as an offensive guy, I thought that he was really creative the way he, you know, implemented several different things, the way they wanted to attack Kentucky. And to your point, I mean, it was 7-3, probably 11 or 10 minutes into the second quarter, and it really felt like that fumble, that scoop and score kind of gave Kentucky the life to sort of take that game over. But I thought really highly of Ball State just based on that game. Obviously, losing a guy like Cole on defense, you're going to have to figure out for the long run how they're going to handle that. But I, I was impressed. I thought they played really well. I think you're right that the score didn't really show how competitive they were and that they showed some really good things along the way. Uh, the test is definitely going to be a little bit harder yeah. on Saturday against Georgia. And I did want to ask you, Kyle, do you have any questions about Georgia or anything you're interested in seeing from Georgia uh, as they get ready to play Ball State? Uh, I, I just think it's interesting. Uh, when I when I heard Mike New talk about Georgia and kind of what his outlook has been so far, he said that he can't find any weaknesses in them. Um, and as a journalist myself, I tend to agree. Um, it's a very deep team. It's there's a reason that they've won the national title two years in a row. Um, and so for me, it's from your vantage point. Um, I obviously don't expect you to speak ill of Georgia, but is there any areas they can improve on? Is there an area that Ball State might be able to chip away at? Looking at the first game, the biggest thing that stands out to me is I did not think their offensive line did a very good job in run blocking. They did a really good job pass protection. I do, I do not believe they gave up a sack against UT Martin, but felt like they really couldn't get a push, which when you're playing an FCS team and you're the two-time you know, reigning national champ, I, I figure it should be a lot of open lanes, and there really wasn't. They, they broke a few runs to the outside, um, kind of going off the left tackle and made some plays there. But on the whole, I think they were a little disappointed in how they uh, blocked in the run game. And then other than that, I mean, I think uh, the biggest thing is just sort of being uh, on the same page on defense. Uh, they played a lot of different guys on defense in week one, even early in that game, even when it was 7 nothing, 7-3, to um, they were able to get different guys involved. So I think they want to make sure everybody's on the same page, make sure when they are seven guys in and out uh, that they can handle that, that everybody sort of understands where they're supposed to be in their assignments. But uh, yeah, sometimes trying to break down Georgia and point at certain things, especially early in the year when you know you're starting before conference play, uh, it's usually easier said than done. Uh, but if we got Kirby Smart on here, I, I promise you, we we could tell him what Mike New said, and uh, he would probably poke a few holes in uh, in what Coach New had to say. Yeah, I know that New. I believe he said he hasn't met Coach Smart and is looking forward to meeting him and has a lot of respect for the program. So when you look to Saturday's game. Uh, what do you think is key for Ball State? You know, I don't know if either one of us expects an upset, but Ball State can hang around and give Georgia some trouble over the course of four quarters. What do you feel like has to go right for Ball State to come out of this game and say, you know what, we did really a really good job 
uh, given who we were playing and we were playing in their home. Right. Like you said, uh, I can't, I can't sit here and say that I expect um, Ball State to win this game. Um, that said, I think you can expect um, a team that comes out very competitive. They're going to have a lot of energy, especially out of the gate, um, because they are playing the number one team in the country. It's, a, it's an opportunity that Ball State has never had. They've never played the number one team in the country. Um, they've never played Georgia. And so um, I just think that they're going to come out with a lot of fire um, that, that could be used as an advantage or a disadvantage, depending on how you look at it. Um, Ball State needs to be creative in their offense, but not too creative, if that makes any sense. Like I said, uh, I think that at, at times they use the mix of three quarterbacks very well. But I think at other times you could have just stuck with one and had better success. Um, from the defense, they're looking to clean up flags, as I've mentioned. Um, and so if they're able to do that, I think that the um, passing defense could be a little better than it was last week. If they're not able to, then it could be another game where um, the passing offense shines. Uh, I think that the defense in general is going to come out uh, very competitive with the loss of Cole. And so for me, it comes down to play calling and executing when given the opportunity, because I, I think that there were times in the Kentucky game where they had an opportunity to score or to, to make a big play and they weren't able to do so. And against an SEC opponent, especially against number one, Georgia, you can't afford to let that happen. We'll get ready to wrap up this episode in a few minutes. Uh, prediction from me for this game. I think that Georgia is going to, uh, get things going a little bit earlier than last week. I think they started uh, a little bit slower, which the people on the message board uh, let us know that they were not entirely excited about how Georgia started, but they got into a rhythm the second quarter, and by the third quarter they pulled away. I think you'll see a little bit of a faster start. I'm very intrigued just to see how Ball State's offensive line holds up because Kentucky uh, had a lot of success uh, stopping the run game, getting after the quarterback. I believe they had eight or nine tackles for loss in that game last week. I'm going to say Georgia wins 48-7. to I think Georgia's going to want to build a little bit more confidence with Carson Beck in his second start as the Bulldogs quarterback. Uh, but I'm going to say Georgia wins this one by 41 points. Uh, Kyle, do you care to give a prediction? And if not, uh, just what, what do you think we will see as this game plays out? Uh, I don't have a score prediction. Um, but like you said, uh, I think that – I mean, I, I think both teams – with Georgia looking to get started earlier and Ball State looking to make a statement are going to be coming out with a lot of energy out of the gate. It's going to depend on who can continue that momentum, and I would be surprised if it's not Georgia. Um, I know the spread right now, depending on where you look, I'm looking at DraftKings. The spread is at uh, has Georgia as a 42.5-point favorite. Um, I don't know if they'll cover the spread or not. It's hard to say. Um, I think that they certainly could. Um, you look at last year against Tennessee, Ball State lost, um, I believe it was 55 to 10. Uh, against Kentucky, they lost 44 to 14. Um, and so if you want to look at it from that standpoint, um, take, take, that what you, take that with what you will as far as if Georgia will cover the spread or not. I think it'll be close to that. Um, your score prediction – I think could be pretty accurate to what it's going to be like, but I don't have an official one myself. 
Yeah, based on that spread, I have Ball State just barely covering, and uh, usually they know where to sit those numbers. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about it. Um, Kyle, thank you so much for popping on. I think you did an excellent job. Uh, before we get out of here, you know, let everybody know where they can follow you on social media, what you guys are up to at the Ball State Daily News. And if you have any stories you guys are working on, be sure to go ahead and shout them out. Yeah. Um, again, thank you for having me on. I appreciate the invite, and I, I was glad to join. Um, you can follow me on Twitter or X, as it's now known, at um, Kyle Smedley underscore. Uh, that's where you can add me there. Um and as far as what we're doing at the at the Ball State Daily News, uh, we're, we're covering all things Ball State sports, not just football. I'm the football beat reporter, but I'm also the sports editor. Uh, we have a plethora of sports here, and we're trying to cover them all. Uh, right now for this print, um, we're, we're putting out our print paper next or tomorrow, I guess it is. And we're just doing a deep dive on all things Ball State versus Georgia. We're talking about the health and recovery aspect of it. I mean, is, is it more physical playing an SEC team as compared to the Mac? Um, we're looking at a, a kid in Macari Siblis who plays for Ball State on the defensive line and is from Georgia. Uh, I know this game means a lot to him. And we're talking about how, are these games worth it for Ball State? Because the fact of the matter is they're getting paid over $1.5 million for this one game when it's essentially a guaranteed loss. So we're talking about what the players actually get out of these games as well. Um, and we're, and we're going to do a lot of coverage on deeper than the game um, aspects of football, not just reporting the scores, but telling stories as far as the people who are playing on the field and really trying to give the readers um, an inside look at the team. I think those are some great story ideas. I'm going to be sure and read them, and I hope uh, everyone listening does as well because I think that's really great stuff. Uh, Again, Kyle, absolutely. Again, Kyle, thanks so much for popping on. I want to say thanks to everyone who watched this live, everyone who is listening to that after the fact. We're going to get out of here, and I'm sure both of us are going to get back to work. A busy game week, uh, but excited for Saturday to get here and for this game to get underway. So we're out of here on that. Until next time, take care, everybody.